What's up, Hyperfast Nation? We've got an amazing guest today. He's been a real estate veteran for nearly two decades, has built up multiple real estate teams, eight streams of income, and doing it all while having a wife and five children. Welcome to the show, Derek Ty. Welcome to the Hyperfast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyperfast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Shaw and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyperfast. All right. Welcome to the show today, Derek. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Where are you joining us from today? Uh, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, in a little suburb called Loveland. So uh, love, you got to love it. Loveland. I, I love the sound of that. I'm sure you get that a lot. <laughs> yes. There's two loved ones in the United States. Sometimes we get confused with the other one in Colorado, but this one's uh, Loveland, Ohio. Loveland, Ohio. All right. Well, Tell uh, our listeners and, and watchers here in the Hyperfast Nation a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Well, uh, I've been in business uh, since 2004, so this is actually my 17th year in business. My wife and I started our team together here in the area. I came out of uh, the corporate world, so I started my first, I guess it was about eight years in corporate banking, uh, corporate marketing. You know, I had the bachelor's degree in business and management. I hated the corporate world. I felt very stifled there. I uh, couldn't use my creative energies. And uh, my wife and I loved real estate. We had bought and sold a couple houses. And we bought our first house when I was 20 and she was 18. Uh, we got married really young. And so, uh, you know, we've always been into real estate and we thought, hey, let's, let's start selling it. And within about six months after starting our real estate career, we quit our full-time jobs that we had. And we both just, uh, she actually was a stay-at-home mom and I was a full-time banker and uh, we've never looked back. So you got, you did, uh, did it part-time for a while and then made the jump? Yes, about six months um, until I could get my income up. I mean, so we have, you know, right now we have five kids, but at the time I think we had two or one. I got to go back and do the math, two kids at the time. And, uh, you know, it was a little scary just to have no income and no benefits, no security at all. So I thought we would take a little bit of a, a transitional step there until I knew we could do it. And then we went all in. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I got my start. I know a lot of real estate agents get started that way. So that's a, a, a common path, it seems. What, so you've been in for a while, 17 years. What, what do you think the... the the biggest lessons over that time period are that, that you've learned. It, you know, I know you've progressed from being a solo agent or just working with your wife to come out, right? Yeah. So here's the thing, you know, uh, there's a lot of lessons to learn in the real estate business. One, the biggest one is you got to put people first, right? So people that you're serving, their needs have to come first. There's a lot of uh, goal setting that happens this time of year and people are, you know, like, hey, I got to hit this average sale price and I got to hit this many transactions and I got to, you know, grow a team. And I got to do all these kind of things. 
if you're not serving people at a really high level and it sounds, you know, like, you know, maybe it should be on a Hallmark card or something, but the truth is if you're not serving people and what they need uh, specifically in the real estate business and you, and that may not be a sale, that might be just some advice that tells them not to sell. It might be to tell them to keep the house that they wanted to list with you and rent it out instead because they need to build long-term wealth. There's a lot of things that we do in this business to put ourselves first. And I'd say the biggest piece of advice I've learned is always put your client first. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to echo that, like, cause you mentioned in there, like sometimes serving them first might be telling them not to buy or sell a home. And, you know, that's the kind of decision that coming from a place of gratitude and wanting to help should, should, should be the primary motivation but the reality of it is there's there's a, a selfish reason to 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 do that as well because you know pressuring them into taking action in the short term might, might be good for short term but having them do the right thing now such as not by ourselves that's the case mm-hmm. that's going to have so much more of a positive long-term impact on your business that it's going to like far surpass, you know, any short-term gain through, you know, extra commission now. Um, Definitely. So there's, there's, yeah. So it's, you know, you should, you should do the right thing, but there's, there's a huge long-term business benefit usually to doing the right thing. That's that's, I mean, repeat and referral clients are number one, number two source of business every year. And, you know, I feel like we've earned those and I take, I steward those opportunities very, very carefully. And I, you know, especially when I've been referred business by a past client or a friend or family member, you know, it's like, I, I really want to take extra care to make sure that, you know, that person that's referred me, it's their reputation on the line too. It's not just mine, it's theirs. So if, if repeat and referral are your two biggest lead sources, uh, what comes after that for you? Uh, so we have, let's see, number three on the list was our buyer's agents, uh, you know, the agents on our team sourcing their own deals. So that would be their networking, their sphere of influence, their, you know, however they obtain the the deal. So our team numbers would be referrals is number one, then repeat, and then buyer's agents, uh, their activities. Uh, number four is listings. So the actual listings themselves also generate l- new leads. They should, if you're working them properly. So if someone calls off a sign, met them at an open house there, uh, something around the listing generated another deal. That's how we kind of mark it up from there. Okay. What, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's just starting out, doesn't have the repeat referral or the listings? Think back to where you were like 17 years ago. Sure. Uh, what would you tell an agent today just starting out? Where should they get their business from? So so I wrote a book called The Seven Levers for Success in Selling Real Estate. And in the book, you know, I go through seven specific steps or uh, tools that someone should use. We call them levers in the book. Because if you think about the word leverage, it's how do I take this amount of effort and turn it into this much in results, right? So that's what a lever does. So if you think of like a fulcrum and a leather lever, that's how we do things. So as an agent, you 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 might have a couple things going for you. You might have time on your side. You might have money on your side. You might have relationships on your side. You've probably got some assets. So you have to take inventory of what you have available. So 
the reason I mentioned that is because I can give advice to one type of person, but it may not make sense at all to the other person. So if you have 40, 50 hours a week to spend, but you have no money, then I would say start building your database, like calling literally, I, I use the yellow page example, but using yellow pages as a stimulation to say, do I know any accountants? Do I know any appraisers? Do I know any attorneys? Do I know any apple farmers? You know, And you literally write a list and you start going down and then you make the call to them. And there's a script that we use to basically help build you a database. If that's all you have is time, but no money. On the flip side, you might have money, but not time. So then you might say, you know what? I need to get leads fast. So there are companies that are happy to sell you leads, right? I mean, we all know of Zillow and Realtor.com and Homes.com. We, we, we actually started our own software to help people get seller leads called Market Ready Report. And people are doing that uh, where they're basically using our software in their city. But though, so like if you don't have time, then you got to go one direction. If you don't have money, you got to go the other direction. So there's not really a one size fits all on that one. Yeah, I, um, I I think it's kind of interesting sometimes on, on Facebook groups or other realtor groups, you, you know, people will kind of brag about not doing marketing or not paying for leads. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of what resource do you want to use the most of, right? And when you're starting out, you might not have the money to go out and buy leads and that's okay. You've probably got a lot of time because you don't have a lot of clients, but as you grow clients, there's, there's going to be limits on your time, right? You got to go out and get other, other agents like you've done and, and, and buy leads. But I think a lot of people complain about them because it doesn't work because they don't put in the time and the money to build the follow-up systems on those online leads because yeah, they're, you know, you got to be a little bit more than an order taker. You know, if you get your, your friend coming in or a referral, like you typically don't have to, do as much follow-up or, 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 or take as long to close it. So exactly. Um, yeah. There's just, you have to realize that if, if you're going to go buy leads that it's, you know, it's not like commission checks are going to just start falling on your desk. You actually have to build the follow-up system. So can you talk a little bit about how you, your team, the agents, like, how do you, how do you do this at scale? How are you following up with, you know, the, the leads that come in that are, through online sources or, or other, you know, colder sources. So there's a lot of techniques out there. I mean, Keller Williams, um, I used to work there and they kind of, they really kind of hammer down their eight, eight by eights and the 36 touch. They're actually really good systems for any business owner out there of any brokerage. Um, you know, I've taken some of the principles from the time I spent at Remax and the time I spent at Keller Williams, the time I'm here at EXP, you know, like each company has their own like uh, specific kind of formulas and they're all kind of around the same premises is you can't just do something one time, right? You've got to have a regular systematic approach, whatever system you choose out there, there's ninja marketing, there's all these follow-up systems. The key to all those systems is you have to be regularly consistent upon it. So follow-up boss is the system I've been using for, I think, six or seven years now, where a lead comes in, whether it's from like YLOPO, whether it's from Zillow, whether it's from Realtor.com, our website, uh, however we input it in, it funnels it into a system where then there's a regular touch program on that, uh, both with uh, uh, AI text messages and in-person you know, phone calls that we can make, emails, drip campaigns, but the, ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you have to keep following up with these leads because it usually takes somebody statistically, you know, five to 10 times of you 
reaching out to them before they're going to, you know, actually engage back with you. And most people give up after one or two times. Yeah, we've, we've seen that on our team, you know, the, the inside sales agents do most of the follow-up for us and, and it's, yeah, five, six, seven, so I think sometimes like 15, 20, like mm-hmm. <laughs> follow-ups, like, and, and so you got to build out a system to, to do that, you know, phone, text, email, and, and stick to it or, you know, Zillow won't work for you or whatever other source it is. Like it's, yeah. And but, can I but, add one thing to that too? Yeah. Yeah. So the big key to uh, making calls and engaging with people that are new leads is you have to add value. And this gets back to the first thing you asked me on the phone. How do I serve people? So if you're going at it with a mentality of I've got to capture this lead and I've got to put them into my, you know, from a unmet to met or whatever your statistical formulas are, that's really the wrong goal. The goal is, is how can I find a way to add value to this person's life as soon as possible? And I tell my agents all the time, you have to offer them something of value. Why, why else are they going to call you back? Why else are they going to respond to your text message? Why else are they going to respond to an email? If you're just saying, Hey, I want to get to know you better. Someone's like, I know enough people. I don't need to know another person. There's no value in that. But if they say, one of our little magic secret tricks that we've used over the years, and this is, you have to come from contribution and value, but it has to be real. It can't be a fake thing. Like you don't want to throw the fake bait out there. And what we always say is, um, if let's say they're looking in Loveland, Ohio for a house for $250,000. If we legitimately have a new listing coming on the market, that's around $250,000 in Loveland, Ohio, we can say something to the effect of, hey, we see that you're inquiring about homes in Loveland, Ohio. We happen to have a new listing that's going to hit the market. Uh, if you'd like to know about it before uh, it's ready, assuming you've gotten the right paperwork, whatever, I'm, you know, we'll put that little disclaimer on there, then give me a call. Um, that's just one little tidbit, but it could be anything like that. Or it could be, hey, I've got some more investment properties. We're about to list next month. I see you're an investor. If you're interested in getting to see these or want to know about them, uh, to be one of the first people to know about them, let me know. So it's some, it's, it's a nugget of here's what I can do for you. And then you pull back. Yeah. And I, I think, you, you know, the way you, you get there and you imply that you do this because you knew that they were, what they were looking for is you got to ask questions, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you don't, if you don't take the time to, you know, follow up their timing, their motivation, what they're afraid of, what they, what they want, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's going to be hard to know how to add values. You might be trying to add value but you're you're putting a round peg in a square hole or or something like that because you don't know what it is they need exactly hey that's a great thought but let me get to this question that i just got from one of my followers uh, right to my phone Uh, by the way did you know you can text me at 703-215-1684 This is a new thing I've rolled out. I'm letting my listeners and uh, people that subscribe and follow me on social media connect with me directly to my phone on text message. It's me answering them and and responding. You can ask me anything about real estate, investing, business, whatever. Just text 703-215-1684 and I will respond to you. What have what have been the keys in the last you know year since we've gone through coronavirus, lockdowns, all of that? Like, what have you shifted or done differently in your business, and what has the result been? 
Well, first of all, uh, we actually let two agents go uh, kind of toward the beginning of the year that um, were kind of, they're great people. You know, I still like these people to this day, but, you know, they weren't hitting standards of certain number of calls and certain number of appointments and certain number of, obviously, what comes after that sales, right? And then two uh, agents that we were uh, part of our team uh, decided that right when the coronavirus craziness lockdowns hit, that they weren't getting enough leads at that time to uh, keep them going within that first couple of weeks of literally government shutdowns. So they decided to go off on their own and try to find their own business. So, you know, right in like early March, it was like, okay, we're going to go through some big transitions this year that left me with uh, basically one other agent on the team and the administrative assistant uh, that was uh, like our team manager. And so we thought, Hey, now's a good time for us to make some big changes. So we went from a very traditional type of office setup where we had three offices and, you know, lots of infrastructure, lots of, um, you know, paid kind of what's the word, like a nut to crack every month, right. To uh, completely almost like a virtual model. So we moved our business model from the, the Keller Williams model to an EXP model. We went from a big paid office space to a very small sub office of another office. We took our expenses way down and we were able to uh, basically, uh, and that became like a actually a really good timing for us because the market itself in Cincinnati, the number of listings that came up for sale dropped way down. Buyers became, you know, kind of nervous and scared. So during that time of a few months when everybody's kind of freaking out, we were able to retool our business, restructure how we were paying for everything. And then actually on the back end now, we're adding agents again, kind of coming out of 2020 into 2021. What, uh, you know, if you're to pull out your crystal ball now, what do you, what do you think is going to happen in the next 12 months in the real estate market? And, and, uh, and, and what are you, you know, what are you doing with your, your team, your business to prepare for whatever your outlook is? So that's a great question. So what we've done is that we, uh, at the end of 2020, I hired an ISA again to start basically going back through all of our, I think we have about 16,000 leads that are in our system right now that are contacts and leads from all these different lead sources we've been buying over the years. Uh, so an ISA to kind of comb back through and kind of rewarm up as many of these leads as possible the buyer's agent that like our kind of long-standing buyer's agent that we've got right now, he's going to be taking most of the buyers on and some investors. I have another agent on the team that's been focused more on commercial and listings. He's going to be basically taking all the warm leads from the ISA on that side. And then we're hiring a new guy who's going to be kind of like a new junior agent that we can basically use for uh, getting him out on some, uh, you know, buyer runs and basically doing some work in the office as he learns the business as well as he's a younger guy. So our, we are expanding in terms of numbers, but we're also kind of keeping some of the virtual and um, kind of the lower monthly cost. Uh, let's see, what's the right word for it? Some of those procedures and practices we put into place last year, we're going to carry forward. But I do think that the sales are going to go up for a couple of reasons. I think uh, the economy is going to continue to be at least consistent to where it is now, which in our area is, is, is pretty good. The number of homes for sale might go up a little bit, which is good because we need more homes to sell. Uh, the interest rates, I think, are going to stay very, very, fairly low. But I've been through two of these uh, cycles now in my career, and I don't think it's going to last forever. But I think this particular year, I think we've got a little bit of runway still to go. All right. What's what's your uh, team's 
goal for the year for 2021 uh in terms of like uh, number of sales and that type of thing yeah sales volume so yeah. so we so we've adjusted down our numbers from uh where we were a couple of years ago but our goal this year is 22 million in sales which is uh basically about 72 transactions average sale price i think it's 333,333 dollars and then I can break that down into individual agents on the team and what they're going to do. But so we've kind of put that on the wall. Everybody knows what their numbers are. I do think we'll exceed that, but I basically as a kind of setting budgets for the year. That's, that's kind of like, Hey, if we hit these numbers, everything's going to be great. Um, I do think that I've got a couple agents on the team that'll go over and above where their numbers are. And uh, as that happens throughout the year, I can make some adjustments as I do other things like rental property uh, that we own. My wife and I, we have five luxury short-term rental homes that we run as a separate business, uh, you know, with the author and books and some of the other products that we own. I can kind of diversify what I do every day. It doesn't always have to be, you know, spend 40 hours a week on the real estate business. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute uh, before we wrap up here, because I, I know you've got. I think you said eight uh, streams of income. Yes. So obviously real estate sales is one of them. Uh, you know, you mentioned rentals, the books, but like what, what is the like big picture kind of overview of, of your other streams of income? Yeah. So basically my primary source of income is still selling real estate and the team sales. And then the income that comes off of that, that's been the consistent one over all these years. That's actually the cash that we've been able to take off the table each year. We've been able to invest into other things. And that's one thing I would highly encourage the agents watching this is, you know, don't just think of real estate sales as a goal in and of itself. I mean, it's a vehicle and a tool to help build other streams of income and other wealth areas. So whether you're putting that into stocks, bonds, Bitcoin, uh, you know, whatever your thing is, whatever you feel comfortable and happy about, do that. But don't just take the money and then, you know, build a great personal life with it. You know, you got to diversify. So that's a little sidebar. Uh, but the uh, the other income streams, obviously, the five rental homes, that's, that's a, you know, one source of income for us as well that's done pretty well. Um, we also have, um, when I was part of Keller Williams, I had recruited 20 agents into Keller Williams. And those agents are still there. So I'm getting a uh, what they call a profit share revenue check every single month based upon the activities of those people. So I'm very grateful for that, that I was able to do that for years and still make a, a nice income every month off of that. With the EXP business, it also has a revenue share aspect. So I've been able to bring in uh, several agents already just since I started in May of last year. And that's another residual income stream that we have. The book sales, like I mentioned there, that's another income stream that we have. Uh, we sold a um, we sold a, uh, a software package to some other realtors here in the country. We just started doing that at the end of last year, and that's another residual income stream. Uh, it's basically uh, you know kind of a license rights to that. And we've got a couple other very small things like my wife's um, in her nutritional business. She has a couple products that she sells online that pretty much are mailbox money the she puts out a podcast people go on the podcast they buy the products online and there's literally no touch to it at all it's 100 mailbox money the money just comes right into our checking account every day every week whatever it is so between the eight sources of the business that's kind of a breakdown on how we do it being very transparent with you there yeah no that's cool to see because not you know not as many agents as, as i would like to, to think about that kind of stuff think about that kind of stuff and it's you know, it's important to do. You don't want to be 
selling homes, you know, in, until the day you die. And unless, unless that makes you really happy, but you know, you want to do it because you love doing it, not because you have to. So, well, that's the thing is you get to choose every day what you want to do with your time and the, the wealthier you become and the more income streams you have, you get to literally choose what you want to do every day. So if I get a call from a past client, they're like, Derek, I want to go look at this half a million dollar house. It's right down the street. I'm like, awesome. I get in the car and I go. I know some agents think it's like a sin to be in the business, you know, past a certain number of years and then still show a house. I actually like doing it. I love being with people that I enjoy spending time with. I love the house selling process. I love, you know, just being out sometimes. Now, if they want to go see a house every night for a week, I'm going to assign it to somebody on my team. But if it's kind of here and there and jobs that I want to do, I get to cherry pick off opportunities and it's fun and it's good living. So why not? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that the, the more diversified, the more and bigger streams you have, the more control you have over your time and, and you have to choose and kind of design your life, which is what the goal of this should be. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to I want to conclude with our hyper fast round. If you're ready for some rapid fire. Let's go for questions. it. All right. What's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to a new agent? is to uh, serve people first and make sure they have their heart in the right place before they go after all these crazy goals. All right. What is the thing that you think, the biggest mistake I should say, that you think experienced real estate agents make? Experienced real estate agents, I think they take for granted the other co-ops in the business and they treat other uh, agents, whether they're new agents or whether they're just competition, they treat them poorly in deals. And in the long term, that really bites you. You get the wrong reputation and no one wants to work with you and your, your clients end up suffering because if you're representing a client at a high level, but the other agent hates you because you've been a turd your whole life, then you're really hurting the people that you're uh, representing. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great way to, to look at that. What's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to a real estate investor? Investor, I would say know uh, what kind of property you want to be associated with and touching every month. You know, some people like us, we're crazy. We're in this luxury short-term rental market. It's like running a 20-room hotel in a really posh hotel because of the price range of people we're dealing with. So they have high demands. There's other people that are more slum wards on long-term rentals, and they they, they only want to see their house once a year just to make sure it hasn't been burned down. So I'd say for an investor, you really got to know what what kind of what's your tolerance of pain level and what do you want to find yourself doing on weekends and evenings when things don't go well. What's the biggest business challenge you've ever had and how did you overcome it or, or what did you learn from it? I would say probably I, I jumped into too many shiny objects. Uh, so the biggest business challenge would be I had these contracts set up with Zillow, Realtor.com, Homes.com, you know, CoStar, LoopNet, where these long-term, you know, financial commitments to get marketing, networking, uh, lead generation services. Even I hired an ISA remotely one time that uh, was a long-term contract that I ended up having to threaten a lawsuit against to get out of the deal. So entering into these long-term contracts without a lot of research, thought, or uh, just making sure that, you know, that that's probably been my biggest mistakes I've made. All right. Last one. Where do you see yourself in five years? 
Uh, I see myself probably doing a lot of what I do today. I, I get to pick and choose how I work every day. Do I, I drop my girls off. I have five kids, my two youngest girls. I get to take them to school in the morning, which I enjoy having those conversations every day. Uh, I don't have to be in the office at 6.30 in the morning to feel like I'm a winner. I can be in there at 8.45, start my day. I get to leave when I want to leave, get to take on the clients I want to take on. I get to coach the real estate agents I want to coach. I mean, to be honest with you, that is, uh, I mean, I love what I do every day and I'll probably end up traveling a little bit more with my wife as the kids are a little older. Uh, but ultimately I just, I'm designing a life that I can sustain in the future to still really enjoy without burning out. Well, Derek, that's uh, fantastic to hear. I always love it when I get to talk to people that are succeeding at high levels and, and really, you know, not just, not just in terms of like sales or business, but really being able to take that and, and design an amazing life, which it seems like you certainly have done. So thank you for being an inspiration to other people and for sharing how you've done it with our listeners today. Before we sign off, if people want to connect with you or learn more about what you do or follow you on social media or any of that kind of stuff, what are the best ways for our viewers, listeners to, to do that? So um, probably the best website is just my name, DerekTye.com. So D-E-R-E-K-T-Y-E.com. On there, I have links to all the uh, businesses that we own, the rental properties, the books that we've written, my wife's nutritional. Uh, uh, she's an awesome nutritionist and she has a cookbook and stuff. So it's kind of fun because I put all of our family brands in one place. So that might be the easiest way to go. All right. So go to DerekTye.com. Yes, that's it. Check out, check out what Derek's got going on. Learn about his streams of income, the real estate team he's built, and all of that great stuff. Well, Thank you so much for being on the Hyperfast show today, Derek. And for all the listeners and viewers, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you leave some comments, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfast show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyperfashions. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.